Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. I want to thank you for joining me for another podcast. You know, we're seeing so many great things happen at our roundtables. We were just in Albuquerque, and that roundtable just in size alone was massive. But just in the feedback that we're getting from uh, ministers, it was just overwhelming how much they feel they're getting out of the roundtables. I say that to you because I have a couple of roundtables that will be coming up. Uh, I will be in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, in a few days, and that's going to provide an opportunity for a whole lot of great pastors to unite together, to come together, to learn, and to grow. And then uh, I'm in the Atlanta area at Norcross, and that's going to be another great opportunity. And then not far away, I will be in North Carolina, and those are three roundtables that I think could be game changers. And I want to encourage you, if you know somebody out there that maybe you would want to uh, go out there and just encourage them to come to one of those three. And also, if you haven't looked over my resources, uh, I have a flash drive that uh, is just really been helpful to pastors, and it has all my sermons from last year on it. And um, it has the series that I did from the book of Revelation on Revelation, a 3D look, looking at the three dimensions that are constantly being portrayed in the book of Revelation. And that's a part of that flash drive. Hey, uh, today I want to talk to you about something, and I really couldn't come up with a better title for this. And I'm sure some of you that are really creative can come up with one. Uh, But I want to call it fake faithfulness, fake faithfulness. You know, uh, it seems like nowadays that that word faithfulness is used a whole lot in Christian circles. Uh, In fact, the Bible puts a premium on faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, we know it says, moreover, it is required of a steward that they be faithful, that that is a premium quality to God, that someone who's been given responsibility of oversight, that they would have a high level of faithfulness. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he hath enabled me who hath considered me faithful. And what Paul's saying is, is that the anointing of God usually is displayed in proportion to the faithfulness to God, and the anointing of God will seldom be poured out where there's not high levels of faithfulness to God. And then in Matthew 25 and verse 23, our Lord and Savior told a parable, and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. So when you study the Bible, one of the things that you find is that this word faithful, faithfulness, is is used a whole lot because it's one of those qualities that God looks for. You know, it seems like in our society, everyone's looking for God to do something, and there's a lot of things we're looking for God to do, but faithfulness is what God is looking for us to do. And I've said it for years. Uh, Faith is when you can trust God. Faithfulness is when God can trust you. And there's a lot of people who want to trust God, but God cannot trust them. 
Now, it's interesting that if you do ministry like I do, and I know there's a lot of business leaders out there, and I'm pretty sure that maybe there's a parallel to this, uh, but in ministry, there are four phases to ministry. Uh, But the very first phase is called faithfulness. It's just learning how to show up and to show up every day and to show up and do the right things, just being faithful. Now, it's interesting that my spiritual father made this statement. He said, most people who ever go into Christian leadership, uh, they will never get through the first phase of leadership or ministry. What does that mean? Uh, They struggle to be faithful because faithfulness isn't having a good day, a good week, a good month, a good year. In fact, if you look in the Bible, here's what we find out. We find out from the time that Samuel declared that David would be the king over Israel, that it was 13 years until that happened. See, in our society, if we think God wants to do something, we assume that he wants to do it tomorrow. But in David's life, there was a 13-year period. Now, what was 13 years for? It was 13 years to see if David would just be faithful. 13 years of doing things that were nothing but a statement of faithfulness to God. You go back in the Old Testament and you look at the relationship between Elijah and Elijah, and Elijah is going to be Elijah's um, replacement. And what we find is, is from the time that Elijah throws the mantle down and says, you will be my replacement, you'll take this up, it was 10 years. 10 years, all he did was just serve in very benign, at times boring ways under the leadership of Elijah. 10 years. So David was 13 years. Elijah was 10 years. You go back also in the Old Testament and you see Joseph, uh, he was thrown in prison. God gave him a dream of how he would be impactful to his family and his family because of a position that he would have would bow down before him. Of course, that didn't go over well. And so the family and the brothers in particular were really resistant to that. So they sort of made fun of that and said, no way in the world. And so his brothers threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. From the time he got the dream, it was 13 years until he stood by Pharaoh. So David was 13 years. Elijah was 10 years. Joseph was 13 years. And then if you go to the New Testament, you find out that Paul was 14 years, 14 years in the backside of the desert. And in there, Paul makes this statement. During this period of time, I knew no one of any good report. So the big people and whatever we want to call churchdom was back then, whatever you want to call your businesses, uh, he didn't know anybody that was quote unquote famous, that was the cutting edge people. So I want you to look at it. David, 13 years, Elijah, 10 years, Joseph, 13 years, Paul, 14 years. You know what that tells us? There is no fast lane for faithfulness. You don't get a fast pass when it comes to being faithful. You don't get somehow to be in a fast lane. Hey, I'm going to be faithful, but I'm going to be faithful fast. Faithfulness is proven over 
time. Faithfulness is proven over time. You need to remember, uh, in your life, you control your responses, but God controls the clock. God hasn't given you control over the clock. The clock belongs to him. Jesus made that clear when he uttered the words. He says, no man knows the times and the season except the Father. See, there's some things that God and God alone controls. And why is that? God's not in a hurry. And he's not in a hurry whether you're in a hurry or not. He's not in a hurry to uh, all of a sudden elevate someone. And what I find is, is that so many people want to get elevated quickly, but God's not in a hurry. So what we know is, is that the Bible puts a premium on faithfulness. It's something that was expected. Moreover, it is required of a steward that they be faithful. God hath enabled me who hath considered me faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. In life, faithfulness is a God expectation. Can you do something and can you do it at times in obscurity because you're just doing it for God? You're not doing it because you want to be noticed by others. You want to do it because you just love God. Now, that being said, uh, in our world today, we don't say that we're unfaithful. Nobody stands up and says, you know what? I'm just unfaithful. I really don't like faithfulness. I really don't enjoy faithfulness. We don't say that we're unfaithful. But what we've done is we've redefined it. In fact, in our generation right now, as I look out, I watch a whole lot of people who are redefining faithfulness. And so faithfulness in our culture has become a term that is different than what faithfulness in the Bible is. See, faithfulness in the Bible is a commitment to serve God and to serve God faithfully in the most minute areas because you just want to be pleasing to God. You want to do something that makes God smile. You want to do something that makes God happy. But in our culture, it's changed. So here's how faithfulness has changed. In our culture, we say, I'm faithful as long as it's financially rewarding. Do you get it? Nowadays, faithfulness is, it has to be financially rewarding. If it's financially rewarding, I'll keep doing this. If it's financially rewarding, I'm going to make sure that I get this done. If the finances are right, I'll do this. And the simple truth of the matter is, is that faithfulness isn't about finances. It's not about it being financially rewarding. In fact, the Bible is filled with people who were faithful, and it seems like, to the contrary, uh, there were sometimes some financial challenges. And what the Bible says is, is that faithfulness isn't conditioned upon it being financially profitable to you. So I'm faithful as long as it's financially rewarding. Uh, I watch people who will just sit there, well, hey, I'll do this, and, and, and what am I getting paid for it? And it's all about the money. Show me the money. Or I'm faithful as long as it is fun, and I like it. So nowadays, to be faithful, it's got to be fun. 
It's got to be something that I really, really like doing. In fact, um, we now have all these gift tests and everything, and these gift tests tell us what we're good at. But you know one of the things that I found is I've never seen a gift test that really talks about sacrifices, that it talks about taking up your cross daily and following him. See, you can't gift test for that. And sometimes faithfulness is about taking up your cross. Sometimes faithfulness is just about doing something God's asked you to do because God asked you to do it. But in our society, I'll be faithful as long as it's fun and I like it. As long as I like what I'm doing, I'll be faithful. But I can imagine that if we went and we portrayed that to Joseph and to David and to Elijah and to Paul, they would look at you and they would scratch their heads and say, what in the world are you talking about? There's sometimes when you're going to be faithful and it's not going to be fun. There's sometimes you're going to be faithful and you're not going to like it. But that's all right. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for him. See, we've made faithfulness about it being financially rewarding, and we've made faithfulness about it being fun and enjoyable. Another thing, I'm faithful as long as it's flexible and it fits my schedule. See, we want faithfulness without inconvenience. But sometimes being faithful means that you'll be inconvenient, that you won't get to do everything you want to do when you want to do it. But I know people who will just say, well, I'm faithful uh, as long as it's flexible and it truly, truly fits my schedule. But see, we've redefined it. Faithfulness is being financially rewarding. Faithfulness is that it has to be fun and I like it. And faithfulness is it has to involve flexibility and it fits my schedule. So faithfulness has become does it fit in to the order of my day versus God saying, I want to order your day? And then we say, I want faithfulness as long as it's fulfilling. I want faithfulness as long as it's fulfilling. As, as long as I feel this, this deep need in my life is being fulfilled, then I'll do this. But nowadays, that's not a part of the equation. It's, it's not that we want to say we don't want to be faithful. It's that if we don't sense an overwhelming desire to be fulfilled, then it can't be real faithfulness. But faithfulness is something that makes God smile. It may not always make you smile. And so that simple statement that we serve at the pleasure of the king. And if the king wants something, that's what we do. That it's not our will, but his will be done. That it's not about our ups and our downs, our wishes, our likes. It's about him. So in our society, we now say faithfulness. I'll be faithful as long as it's financially rewarding. I'll be faithful as long as it's fun and I like it. I'll be faithful as long as it's flexible and it fits my schedule. And I'll be faithful as long as it's fulfilling. And then I'll be faithful as long as I have friends. 
see, we want that posse. We want that group feel. It's the reason people go to Starbucks. I don't go to Starbucks a whole lot, but I happened to go to one the other day. And I was just interested as I'm getting my coffee to watch people in there. There were probably 25 people in this particular Starbucks. Probably out of those 25, only uh, probably six of them were really talking. The rest of them were seated in there working on their computer, on their cell phone, sipping something. Now, here's the deal. The reason people like Starbucks is it makes you feel a part of the crowd even when you're not engaging with the crowd. See, only six of the people out of 25 were really engaging with someone else. The other 19 people were just sitting there, but because there's more people in the room, everyone sees the other people, it makes them feel like they're a part of the crowd. And in our society today, I'm going to be faithful as long as I feel like the crowd's with me. I'll be faithful as long as I have friends. I'll be faithful. But here's the deal. Faithfulness is a tough road. Because what happens in faithfulness is you'll have people who will be your friends, but they're not taking a journey of faithfulness. So let me just say it again. We've turned faithfulness into five things. Faithfulness as long as it's financially rewarding. Faithfulness as long as it's fun and I like it. Faithfulness as long as it's flexible and it fits my schedule. Faithful as long as it's fulfilling and faithful as long as I have friends with me. What's interesting is, is that as much as we redefine faithfulness, God has already defined faithfulness. And in fact, the Bible spends a lot of time defining faithfulness. And so if I could just lead you through a few verses that really deal with the subject of faithfulness. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, it's probably one of the most famous verses on faithfulness. It says, if, if you'll just be faithful in a few things, if you'll just be faithful in a little things, then I'll make you faithful over much. God's first and, and paramount definition of faithfulness is the ability to do little things and to do them well because you're doing them for God. If if the only time you can be faithful is if it's a big thing and you somehow are being noticed, that's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is the ability to just do little things that most people won't see. Even if they saw them, they wouldn't appreciate them. And God said, if you can be faithful in little things— I'll make you faithful over a lot of things. So God in his own words is saying that that faithfulness is directly proportionate to our ability to handle little things in life, just little things he's asked us to do, little things that he's just inspiring you to do. So number one, faithfulness is just being faithful in little things. You go over to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19, and it talks about suffering. And in there, it's talking about being faithful in hard things. So first of all, faithfulness is being faithful in little things. But in Peter's account, it's being faithful in hard things. See, sometimes 
you're going to face some hard times, some hard things. And it's at that point that God just asks you to be faithful. And that's what Peter was talking about. He said, sometimes you're going to experience some pain and frustration and you're going to experience some suffering and you've got to be faithful and hard things. And so when you look at the concept of faithfulness, God defines it as being able to handle little things and being able to handle hard things. And then in Luke 16 and verse 11, um, the Bible says being faithful and financial things. God's really sort of put a litmus test out there. He said that if you can't be faithful when it comes to your finances, to make sure that you give, you have generosity, that you handle them with integrity, then he's not going to trust you with anything. I tell the story of uh, being at a church and I had spoken, and when I had spoken, uh, I was walking out, the pastor was talking to some people, so I followed one of his staff members up, and as I followed one of his staff members up, a lady reached over and gave me an envelope. Well, when she gave me the envelope, I just took it out of instinct, but when I got up to the office, I said, I don't know this lady, and I asked the staff person to open it, and as the staff person looked at it, um, their eyes got real big. And I said, is everything all right? And said, well, this lady's just giving you $34,000. Well, I don't know this lady. I'm a guest in this church. And so I immediately look at the guy and I say, hey, why don't you uh, go back over here and uh, why don't you check and see if she's a regular giver? He went back there and said, yeah, she is. I said, then tell me, has she ever given anything of this size? He goes back and he looks and he says, nah, she hasn't. Well, you got to understand something. I'm a guest in this house. Um, if I'm a guest in the house, that means that whatever happens needs to happen uh, within the pastor's view. And so uh, I immediately, when the pastor comes up, I said, I want you to look at this note. And he looks at it and he sees the check and he says, what are you going to do? And you're going to take the check because it was written out to me. And I said, no. I said, I'm going to write her a letter and send the check back to her. He says, well, why are you going to do that? I said, I'm not going to walk into your house and take the biggest offering that someone's given and take that biggest offering and take it out of your house. I said, I happened to be on the platform when she, when God was speaking to her, but I think he is speaking about this house, not about me. So I wrote her a letter and I said, hey, thank you so much for being obedient, but I also need to be obedient. When I come into a church, I'm a man with authority and under authority. Here's what you need to know. Uh, a gift of this size needs to be processed with your pastor. So I'm sending uh, this uh, check back so you can talk to your pastor. Well, they ended up having a conversation and what I felt was right, uh, that she ended up writing the check to the church. Now, some people have said, well, you just gave away $34,000. What if God was trying to bless you? Well, if God's trying to bless me, he will bless me decently in an order. And when I'm in someone else's church, he'll do it through the pastor and the pastor will be aware of it. And if the lady would have told the pastor, hey, I want this to directly go, that pastor would have done that. But here's the deal. 
There was an event that was unfolding in our church that had great economic jeopardy. I mean, we're not talking about 34,000. We're talking about a whole lot more than 34,000. And it was an event that I didn't have anything to do with, but our church was thrown into. We were really innocent of anything, but we were being thrown into this mix. I ended up getting a call that somehow, suddenly, that other issue that our church was thrown into went away. And I remember sitting at my desk and God said to me, if you hadn't have been faithful to protect that other church with its finances, I wouldn't have been able to protect you with this church's finances. See, faithfulness and finances is not just being faithful to give, but it's faithful to live with integrity with whatever comes into your hands. And faithfulness is something that God says, faithful and financial things. But it's not only that, it's faithful in little things, faithful in hard things, faithful in financial things, but it's being faithful in God things. In 1 Timothy, uh, excuse me, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35, it says this. It says that I'm looking for a priest who will be faithful. Can you be faithful just in the God things? To God's word, to prayer, to basic biblical disciplines, can you be faithful? And so we see this progression here. But then in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, can you be faithful to the end of things? And there it talks about how this whole thing will end. So really, when you study the Bible, faithfulness is defined as being faithful in little things, being faithful in hard things, being faithful in financial things, being faithful in God things, and being faithful to the end of things. Those are the five ways God defines it. So if you were to take that list, how are you doing? What I want to say to you is we live in a day where people have taken faithfulness and they've redefined it. They've turned it into something that biblically it was never intended to be. And if you're not careful, each one of us can get sucked into that. But God's statement of moreover, it is required of a steward to be faithful and well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are words that we want to live by. But we don't get to redefine them. We get to keep God's definition. Being faithful in little things, being faithful in hard things, being faithful in financial things, being faithful in God things, and being faithful to the end of things. That's what faithfulness is. I hope this helps you. Um, I just believe that we need to be um, loudspeakers proclaiming faithfulness to God is the goal of every Christian and Every Christian, whether they're a business person or they're in ministry, we want to be faithful. And you know what I know? You wouldn't be listening to a podcast if you weren't desiring to be faithful. Hey, I love you. Thank you for growing in Christ, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank you for telling your friends about the podcast. Thank you for getting this podcast all around the world, literally. Thank you for all you do. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.